Welcome to I Am Goddess Collective Podcast, a sacred space for empowerment through modern magic, spiritual activism, and reclaiming your power. I am your host, Nixie Marie, feng shui practitioner, earth activist, and mystic here to support and inspire your journey in becoming the change you wish to see in this world. That change starts within. Join myself and fellow thought leaders, metaphysical experts, and luminaries each week as we explore practical and magical ways to living in your highest alignment. Your journey as an empowered goddess begins here. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another podcast. Uh, Last time we were here... Uh, we were talking to the lovely George Lizos as it is uh, Gay Pride LGBTQ month. And I thought that was such a good episode and not really intent, like really intentionally timed, but just um, such a beautiful episode to kind of open up the conversation of diversity because uh, so much has happened since that last week's episode and our world has really become such a catalyst for um, big conversations. And so I I just think it's it's been quite a week and I'm sure you guys are feeling it on a lot of different levels. Uh, I being in LA, I was actually on a sailing trip. Um, We were just, we just decided let's, let's get out of LA. It feels really timely to just take a little break and we had some construction going on in our home and so we went sailing for like 10 days around this island that's across from LA called Catalina for those of you that um, maybe do know or don't know it's like really cool like um, island and there's all these different coves and there's a city called Avalon and they had just opened up since the pandemic has really put them in a place of you know they're like fully tourist led so it's it's been hard for them and it felt really good to just get out of LA and honestly we came back and had no idea really what was going on to the, to the depths like i was definitely on social media and understood what happened with George Floyd um i just didn't understand yet the depth in which what was what was erupting from what happened so we came back and we had an LA curfew and I know there was many other cities across the across the states and the world that had curfews so it was very interesting it just it's such interesting times have how all of these issues are really rising to the surface for us to address for us to face for us to evolve from and so I've I've had so much to say and so much not to say you know it's a very tough conversation but I'm not I'm not one to steer away from tough conversations in fact they like get me get me off in a way because it really it gives me a sense of confidence and pride and and um and knowingness that like we you know, we can do the work and, and, and courage, you know, we have to have courage going into some of these really hard conversations. And the conversation about like social justice and diversity is a huge one, you know, and the fact that we are still having this conversation, just like we are continuously having the conversation around, you know, feminism and all these other big topics um, is really, it's just, it's, it's, I don't know that it's ever going to go away in the way that we hope. I really hope it does. But it's, I mean, just to see like how many people stood up and how big of a, of a thing this became. I mean, our, like some of our favorite stores in LA or in Santa Monica were completely destroyed from all these looters. And I, I'm still not super understanding or clear as to, you know, it seems very planned. It seems like it was not the peaceful protesters, um, but a lot of violence did break out. And I really hear and understand why some of this chaos like needs to happen. However, I really I'm still in the process of and digesting, you know, why violence it has become the answer in a lot of ways, you know, and um it's it's just hard for my heart. It's really hard for my heart to like know that there's that much in our world that still needs to be addressed and still needs to be um acknowledged and answered to and spoken to cuz yeah, but that's that's a part of the work is to have those like conversations that we often want to steer away from because it's uncomfortable or it doesn't feel right or it's like sad or, you know, we want to just like bypass the fact that it's, you know, just 
let's stay over here in like a light, shiny space. And, you know, sometimes tears need to be shed and we need to have it like have anger and frustration and go through all the spectrums of emotions to really get through a lot of these, these issues. And, you know, I think it's such a perfect, you know, conversation as we're seeing so much change in the world, um, how we're even changing here and, and evolving the podcast. And a lot of these conversations that are happening in the world, I really am inviting them onto into this into this podcast and into the conversation here because we, you know, we have to find a space to to have these these tough conversations, these difficult things. How do we, you know, include more diversity? How do we understand what it means? to be um, in the space of like white privilege and and for those of my white you know family friends sisters and brothers out there you know we we are so programmed to to be out and tuned out from the experience of our our sisters of color and our families of color and it's just it's a lot so I'm with you guys I'm learning with you and I'm open to having um, a bigger conversation about this you know I'm, I'm always open and I'm ready to I'm always ready ready to deep dive so I wanted to just address that it's every single day it's like the news of the world it's constantly evolving and changing and I can't help but feel that this like the apocalypse is so here I was just listening to Michael um, Beckwith he is a, a pastor who I I don't even know if he I think he considers himself to be a pastor, but there's a um, a spiritual center called Agape here in LA, and he speaks and preaches there. And it's um, a center for all forms of spirituality and, and religion. There's no like turning away of anyone. And it's been a really special place that I attend every now and then. And um, he was talking about apocalypse and it's here. So now what? And I picked up one of my books, uh, Magical Activism by Sarah Lyons. And in the end, it's, it has like spells and rituals for the apocalypse and um, how in definition, the apocalypse is not the end of the world and it's actually the beginning and the platform for the old world to crumble and the new world to arise and so a lot of that um is happening right now and a lot of why we're seeing and i know it's hard to see like all this stuff happening but a lot of why it's happening is because the old must come to the surface for us to heal and as healers and as um people who've studied spiritual paths, so to say, we do understand that in order for something to be healed, it must come to the surface. So it's been very, you know, a roller coaster ride. And thank you all for being on it with me. And I'm I'm also very open to having, you know, more diversity here. If if you feel like there's not enough, I'm of course willing and open to listen and hear some of your suggestions. If we do if you have someone who is a amazing like person you've learned from who is a woman of color who you feel like uh, would be a benefit to have here on the podcast, someone who is a witch, a mystic, healer, um, environmental activist. I've been reaching out to quite a few and, um, you know, just really opening up that conversation. But I think having last week George Lizos on was really great because it really opened up the container for Gay Pride Month and LGBTQ and all the conversations and this celebration of unity and and all of us coming together and so celebrating Black Lives Matter, celebrating the queer, multiracial, everything that we are in this world, celebrating all the colors, celebrating all of our diversity, all of our beauty that we are. And so we're kind of kicked off the month with that. So thank you guys so much and really appreciate all the ratings and reviews that you've left on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. If you have not yet, head on over there to leave us a rating and review. I would greatly appreciate that. Um, We are going to be shifting gears as so many of you know and evolving the podcast soon so I am looking to get to that 200 review mark and it would really mean a lot to me if this podcast as it has been has served you in a beautiful light Um, also don't forget to check out our patreon page you can support the show you can support the evolution of the show and you can support um, me myself as the creator and the host of the show you can go to patreon.com forward slash goddess collective and there's many different tiers that you can uh 
contribute and support. Um, if you do the top tier, you will get in on our monthly gatherings and our um, bonus episodes that we have with every single guest. And at the end of this episode, we share the bonus episode for Jessica Mernan, who's on today. And she does a lovely like how to easily transition into a plant-based diet. So we're going to talk about a lot of really good stuff today. Jessica is a also a podcast host of One Part Plant, and she is a amazing um, advocate for and and inspiration. Talks all about uh, endometrio, endometriosis, a big word. And we we went pretty deep today about women's health and women's bodies and how we often don't listen. <laughs> to our bodies and how we have these little tiny things that might be speaking to us. And um, she's just been, it was really fun to get to know her. And I want to correct, it was a one part podcast, not one part plant, but she has another, um, a book called One Part Plant. So I'm excited to have you guys meet the lovely Jessica Mernan. Um, You can find her work in the show notes. She's got a lot of amazing offerings and in this episode, particularly, we go into all things like yoni related and women's health. We even get into um, the conversation around, I mean, what's been going on with the pandemic and we unpack a lot. So I hope that you sit back, relax and enjoy this podcast episode with the lovely Jessica Mernan. I'll see you guys on the other side. Hello, lovely ladies. Welcome back to Another day here in I Am Goddess Collective, where we get to have a wonderful soul sister chat. I have a rad, I'm really excited to get to know this woman. We just had a really <laughs> cool brief like intro, <laughs> getting real with each other, 9 a.m. in the morning, my time at least. Um, we've got Jessica Mernan on the show. So hello, lovely. Hi, how are you? I mean, we already talked, so I'm not going <laughs> to pretend like we haven't. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Uh, one of the I love that we talked before because we kind of yeah. both just kind of came to the the honest truth of you know things really impacting how the how the quarantine's really impacting us how this pandemic has just been you know an emotional hitting a wall today. So yeah. I love that. I appreciate that. For those of you guys who are not super familiar with Jessica Mernan, she is the creator of the One Part Plant Movement and author of One Part Cookbook, host of One Part Podcast. She's a fellow podcast sister and founder of Know Your Endo, the endometriosis education and awareness platform. It's quite a mouthful. <laughs> I know. I know. It's a long word, and but I'm very impressed that you said it correctly. I am too, actually, especially because it's like, <laughs> I just had a couple of sips of my coffee. We're just getting started for the day. Um, and she's also had so many amazing appearances and uh, features and web websites like Bon Appetit, Goop, Shape Magazine, The Kitchen, Mind Body, Body Green. There's a whole list, and uh, we'll get into it in the interview, so... Before we really get started here, I always love to ask my guests this question. What crystals are you currently working with and why? I was afraid you were going to ask me this because I am not into crystals. Yes. <laughs> I love when people say that, actually. I haven't had a lot of those answers. Um, you know, I interviewed a crystal expert on my podcast, and I will say that during the interview, I was kind of getting a little bit more convinced about them. And I actually have had a very bizarre experience with a crystal, but I just, I just don't feel I'm either. So I'll just tell you really quick. So my friend who is a Chinese medicine doctor, she's very much into crystals. She gave me this crystal so we could be more connected because we were doing this like kind of like a business meetup group. And I forget, you'll have to tell, you might know the name of it, but it was, she said it was very powerful and that it was supposed to keep us more connected. And she said, you know, you can move it slowly underneath your pillow, but don't move it underneath your pillow at, right off the bat. Did not listen to her. Just put it right underneath my pillow because I didn't really believe in crystals that much. <laughs> and that night I had a dream that was actually something that then happened the next day. And I took that crystal, put it on the subway, and I let it go someplace else. Because I was like, I can't, 
dig, I can't put it in my backyard in a hole because then I'm still connected to it. I yeah. want this thing far, far away. So it's on a train somewhere in Chicago. Oh but my God, that's amazing. I don't, I don't know. It's like, I think they're beautiful. I love their beauty. I just don't feel the connection to them like helping me, I guess. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. I don't know. I, like the minute you came on, you were raw and honest and I love that about you. So thanks. <laughs> you know, it's like, it. it's not for everyone. And and here's the thing too, is like, I don't, I was just talking to another friend about this. I'm like, I don't actually work with crystals. They're around my house. Cause I think, you know, they're beautiful. They do the work that they're meant to do. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've had some pretty trippy, weird experiences as well, but I like your, I like your answer. Cause everybody answers <laughs> it differently. But wait, I do have a really beautiful one that my son gave me and it's black with like these white streaks in it and I keep it on my desk. So there is a connection, right? It's just you do, do you know what that crystal Might be is? Black right tourmaline. Okay. If, is it like like really rigid, like mineral kind of raw, weird looking, sort of has like Oh, I guess it's not really stripey. It's just more um it's like hmm. I think it's just oh, I don't know. It does have some he, black he tourmaline it. on it. He did. <laughs> no, I'm just it. kidding. I'm it's like, like what is that? Yeah. Um, now I, I've just like known the crystal world for so long that I think I can identify like the basic ones, but then when it gets mm-hmm. into like the, well, it's got like blue spots and purple turquoise right. stripes. I'm like, I don't know what that is. Is it real? Like, <laughs> but nature's pretty fucking cool and she makes those yes. things. So that's the part I yeah. like. So will right. you work with plants? So Yes, let's I talk do. about I love plants. plants. What? I believe in the power of plants. Me for too. Sure. Me too. I'm a little more connected to the earth stuff than the metaphysical upper realm these days. Um, what plants do you currently work with, and why? I'll ask you that question. I mean, when I say I work with plants, like I'm not like an herbalist or a medicine doctor, and like growing some sort of special indigenous leaf in my backyard or something. Plants, plant-based food specifically. Mm-hmm are what I feel like makes me able to wake up in the morning just because I have pretty severe endometriosis. I was headed for a hysterectomy about eight or nine years ago. And when I changed to a plant-based diet, it just cracked my whole world open. I was able to get out of bed again. I was able to move my body. I was able to kind of, I don't want to say get rid of my depression, but because I never want to make people think that just plants can solve all your answers, but I just was a new person and it was because of that food. And so I just think, you know, I think there's a a big power in whole plant-based foods for our bodies and minds for sure. I agree. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, food is thy medicine, they say. So, right. Yeah. You know, but so you've had a kind of a wild ride with finding this. And it sounds like, you know, endometriosis is quite a, quite an experience. I had a friend in high school that really went through it with that. And, um, so much as she would like her body would go into shock and like faint and there was more going on oh, there yeah. for sure. But you know, there was just you can like black out because of the pain. It's a very intense condition. And I mean, the sad thing is, is that you probably have way more friends than you know, that has it because one in 10 women have it. It's just, it takes an average of eight to 10 years to get diagnosed. So wow. Um, there's tons, millions of women walking around in pain and they don't even know why. You know, like I just recently started opening up about uh, my chronic bladder and UTI infections and stuff like that. Since I was 15, I've had like just ever since I started having sex, it was just like, yeah, she doesn't really like a lot of things in there. Uh And when I started speaking about it, that was when I was really overwhelmed by the response of how many people were like, it was like, I went on my Instagram, did the whole thing, you know, and the response I got, the help I got, the support I got, the the different like, oh, I've had that too. Thank you for speaking about it. You know, I think you make a really solid point there because we're often really just not, not even sure what's either in tune with our bodies, first of all, to notice like that it's, that we shouldn't be in pain. We should be in pleasure. But then also the fact that, you know, we're starting to open up about these, these things, we really need to talk about it. Yeah. And especially, I mean, I think with bladder stuff, there's IC and then there's also, you know, a huge symptom of endo is bladder issues. 
because everything is so connected down there. So, I mean, for the longest time, I would get so many UTIs. I would pee my pants all the time. And I just thought I was kind of a gross person and I wasn't gross. I had endometriosis, you know? So I I think that's the other thing is I think with endo and some other female conditions, or they're not just female because there's transgender people that have endometriosis and and I see, but I think that so many of the symptoms are not connected to our periods. So we just assume like, for instance, with endo, 90% of people with endo show GI symptoms. Mm. What do they do? They go to a GI doctor. The GI doctor says they have IBS. That's not solving anything. Mm. Yeah. So I think a lot of um, conditions that we experience, we have symptoms that aren't even, con- we don't even think they're connected to the actual thing itself. I'm like, watch, I have endometriosis. Well, I mean, <laughs> my mom has a lot of like cysts on her ovaries and no, it's like time for me. And I've been kind of, you know, we were in this quarantine and, and I've obviously been like really tuning into my body on another level because we're here in our homes and like just getting, getting that opportunity to really maybe do a little different and as far as movement goes, stretching goes mm-hmm. like, and then, you know, having some interesting emotions and, and things come up and I really want to go, I need to find a new women's doctor because it's just like that part of my life, I think we neglect, like I'm 30. So a lot of my twenties was like, I don't care, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. But the last tail end of my twenties, a lot of that really surfaced and for me to like forced me to really look at some of these things. But, you know, I kind of have this question, like, why do you think we neglect that so much? Like, I don't know why I, I, I don't, I kind of know why I did, but why do you think women sort of neglect even facing or going to take care of ourselves, period? Well, I think there's a lot of different reasons. I think and specifically, I think for people with endometriosis or pelvic pain, most of the time we're told that it's in our heads or that we're exaggerating or we're being dramatic, or we have a, a girlfriend that also has a period that doesn't have pain. So then you're like, or you have friends that just pee normal. (laughs) So then like all of a sudden you're like, whoa, there's something wrong with me. Like who wants to face when there's something wrong with them? So I think part of it is obviously that fear, but I think second, we're just told that our feelings aren't true. So why would we go to someone and, and then, then they also tell us that it's in our head. Like it's just this, it's just this continual, um, vicious cycle. I think of being in pain, told, being told that it's not true, and then you just start this shame spiral of like, what's wrong with me? Then why can't I fix this? If there's nothing wrong with me, yeah, so true. It's a deep story that one. <laughs> We've been told that forever. I mean, even our moms, maybe our grandmothers, you know. I don't remember. Did your mom like give you guidance on all this or were you really heavily educated as a child? I mean, I think that, I mean, even coming down to like bladder issues or with, with period stuff, it's like, we look at our moms and our grandmas and our aunts and our cousins as, as our, let's say our feminine or period role models. And if like my mom, for instance, she would be knocked out the first two days of her period. She would bleed through her pants Every day when she came through the door, she would unbutton the top of her pants because she was so inflamed. So that is what I thought was normal. Mm. So if you have your grandmother or mother like showing you you're knocked out the first two days of your period, then that's what you think that it is. So I think, yes, my mom spoke to me about that stuff, but she didn't know that she had endometriosis. So that's just how it is when you have your period. That's not how it is, but yeah. that's all that she knew. Right. And so that's all that I knew. So what was your journey like upon getting diagnosed? What did you, was there sort of a breaking point that you had or how did you really find Um, out? I mean, you know, just to be clear, like with endometriosis, the only way that you can get diagnosed is through a laparoscopic surgery. So I will hear people online sometimes say to me, well, I got a blood test done or I got a transvaginal ultrasound. It's like, well, you didn't get diagnosed. Like there's no, that's not a diagnosis. So you can definitely through an ultrasound see like, okay, well, maybe she has a large cyst that could be an, 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 
an endometriosis cyst, but that's that's not a diagnosis. So I went through multiple emergency room visits, blacking out until finally uh, at, at an emergency room visit, they could not figure out what was wrong with me. And the nurse there suggested I see a doctor and that doctor said, you might have endometriosis. And that was the first time I even heard that word before. So it took a cyst bursting for me to like have someone believe me. And then upon diagnosis, um, the pain didn't go away. It, it actually got worse for me. And it was 10 years of just being in pain. And then I was given the option of a hysterectomy or drug hormone therapy. And I decided that I want, wanted to get the hysterectomy, but right before, probably about six months, seven months before I was planning on doing it, a friend sent me a link to information about how a plant-based diet could help pain. I was like, this is bullshit. Like, there's no way that this will work. And then it did. Mm-hmm. And I never got a hysterectomy. It's like the majority of people, like when I asked them, like I did a survey through my Know Your Endo community and I asked them what they wanted from this book. And so many people just said, I want to feel empowered mm-hmm. to actually feel hurt. It makes me cry every time. Yeah, it's like, covered in they just want to feel empowered to be able to even stand up for themselves. Like how fucked up is that? That like they've been made to believe that they're not even, their pain is not even important. And so I think, you know, we can learn everything we want to about endometriosis, but the other half of that is like, you're saying, it's like feeling empowered to say, no, there is something wrong with me and going to another doctor. And it might mean that you, it takes an average of eight doctors to get diagnosed. That's stupid. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So I think, you know, knowing the symptoms, all of the symptoms are on my website at knowyourendo.com. I think that's what I was going to ask you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, you know, one thing that I love doing is going to high schools and, and talking to the girls about these are the symptoms because, and every single time I do one of those talks, at least one girl at the end has the confidence because I mean, who wants to talk about periods with some stranger when you're 16 years old, at least one girl always comes up at the end and says, I think I have this like, okay, like what? But I mean, there was a bunch of other girls in that group that also probably have it. So it's, um, knowing the symptoms, feeling empowered to actually stand up for yourself. And I think also a huge part of it is having some hope because it can feel very hopeless when you go online and Google endometriosis. The first things that are going to come up is that you can't have kids, which is not necessarily true. A lot of people can have kids that you might be unemployed, that there's all these things. And it's like, where are these positive stories too? Mm. Like we need to hear positive stories also. Well, that's why you're here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm trying to do is shed some positivity and it's not always a positive thing, but I mean, you have to feel like you can have a life. Right. Well, at least like paint the story of it's possible, you know, that you, you've, you've, you're an example of what you've been able to create in your life and, um, not, and not have people feel hopeless. I mean, I think a lot of people feel somewhat like that right now, you know, we're Mm -hmm. in the midst of this pandemic and in a way like, I really feel like there's so many, I mean, we have so many issues. We'll always have issues on planet earth. This is why we're here, but there's so many more than just like this pandemic too, that's going on. And I think, you know, just having, putting the light on also this conversation, it's one of them, you know, that why aren't we talking about this? I mean, we are now, but you know, I often don't, do I have those talks with my friends? Probably not. Like we'll go like maybe we go pretty deep. I do surround myself with like some deep soul sisters, but I still feel like there's a level of like protection around some of those conversations. Like I'm the one that's like, Mm -hmm. let's go, let's bleed. Let's, you know, and then it's like, there is that level of uncomfort around that. Oh, you like bleed in a cup or, and you put it in the earth or what do you like, what, you know, and it's, and we talk about that here, but it's like, yeah. And that's such a good point because I think that around period health, you either have to be the marathon runner that didn't wear a pad and is like bleeding down her legs or you're sitting and not talking about it at all. Like 
there's a happy medium in between. It's like you you don't have to, you know, be a period activist to be able to just check in with your friend and say, hey, how do your periods feel? Like, do they hurt? Like, you don't need to talk about what actually is on the pad. Like, you can you can just have these conversations. <laughs> what color is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But and you know, I, I think too the the BBC did a a big survey of over thirteen thousand people that have endo, and nearly fifty percent of them said that they had had suicidal thoughts. And I think that like almost half, like how crazy is that? So I think that that, I think the mental health component is just as important as the physical component, because, you know, as you probably know with studies, I mean, it shows that depression can just make your pain worse. So you're living in this vicious vicious cycle of being depressed, being in pain, being in pain, being more depressed. So it is really important to check in with our female friends or or friends that have uteruses and, and see how they're feeling around their periods. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting too, how we just haven't been like, I'm, I'm just kind of like questioning, you know, why are we here? What, what really brought us to this point where we don't have these answers and, and we're sort of backed up into a corner that feels like, you know, we've got to live in pain. We've got to do, you know, it's like, what's, what were we fed and why, you mm-hmm. know, what is your insight on that? You mean mentally or physically? You know, all of it. Like why, why it's almost as if like we were, we're painted this story where we've got to like live in pain. Don't talk about when you're, we, I've even had women on here talking about when we have pain during sex and we won't really mm-hmm. talk about it with our partners or, you know, all these things that we're, we're told to like kept quiet, kept silent right. as women, yeah. particularly. Right. I mean, we've kind of felt that way. And it's, I mean, there's a deeper story to that, but it's like, what are your thoughts on why we feel that way that we can't speak up? I mean, I just, I mean, I think we can look at the history books and see that historically we've been made not to talk, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think that you know, I personally, like, I don't, I'm not a huge sex talker with my friends. It's just not like, I'll talk all day long about weird stuff and periods and things, but I don't know. That's just not something I really talk a lot that much about because it seems more private with me and my partner. Maybe if I was dating a bunch of different dudes, like I would be much more open, but it feels more, I feel like in some way it's revealing and sharing about my partner when maybe he doesn't want to be shared in that way. Mm, So I think with that, but I mean, it's the same thing that we were talking about with the endo thing. It's just, you know, it wasn't that long ago when we weren't even allowed to have a tampon commercial, like still like uh, that brand thinks like their ads got taken off the air because there was a man being shown like with a tampon string like what it was the commercial was about like what if men had periods and that commercial wasn't shown it, it was not allowed to be shown on national television so we're being regulated i mean i'm not getting into conspiracy theories like we were talking about before we started recording but i mean we're regulated in so many different ways right. from the top down so we're getting the message from a lot of different places that like no, you're not really supposed to talk about those things. And if you do, you're a scary feminist. Mm-hmm. And it, I, like I said, I, I think that there's like this kind of this cool middle ground where you don't have to be all or nothing. It's like right. being like, I don't, I'm technically a vegan, I guess, but I don't march in PETA marches and I don't go to the extreme of like showing animals being slaughtered. Mm-hmm. I think that there, there can you can find a place that feels good for you. Yeah, I agree. So <laughs> what is your like daily diet consist of? And you've got a lot of cookbooks. You, you like to cook with plants and I love plants and eating plants. What are some of your like top favorite um, meals that you make? Um, last night I actually made from the new uh, Cafe Gratitude cookbook. Ooh. I made um, this, I, White flour makes my stomach hurt really bad. So Mm. I made samosa filling 
like they had a samosa recipe and I made the filling of it and then just put that over rice instead. And it was amazing. Um, I had some, the sunshine, it's called sunshine soup, which is just like squash, coconut milk, turmeric, ginger. So everything that I eat is very, it's really kind of in its whole form. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I will get down with like some vegan ice cream every now and then, but that kind of stuff, it just doesn't necessarily make me feel energized always. Mm -hmm. And I can notice a huge difference in my period when I have that stuff. So this morning I had a rice cake with almond butter, strawberries, and blueberries on top of it. And it was delicious. So I just keep it really simple. Like my cookbook, you know, when I changed my diet to manage my endo, I had never cooked before in my life. Like I didn't know how to cook. So it was a huge learning curve to A, eat healthy, but B, actually cook healthy too. So uh, all my recipes are super easy. Everything I make in my house is extremely easy. Like if it has like more than 10 ingredients or an hour cooking time, I'm not interested in making it. <laughs> well, now seems like the perfect opportunity to share with you goddesses, our newest sponsor, the moon deck. The Moon Deck is a beautiful oracle set that connects you to your intuition and brings self-care rituals into your daily life. Created to foster community and healing, this entire set of 44 cards plus a beautiful guidebook filled with rituals is inspired by the cycles of the moon and the empowerment of women. It shares insights on growth, purpose, practice, and emotional well-being. The Moon Deck can be worked with as an oracle guide, as a daily tool for reflection and meditation, or simply in a tarot-inspired spread. As a goddess listener, you receive 10% off the entire site, so head on over to themoondeck.com forward slash goddess and enter code goddessmoon to receive your discount. Happy rituals and oracle card pulling, sisters. I love you. Are you currently stuck at home, looking around your space going, this thing could use a really good cleaning? Well, I have a very exciting product for you to try. I have been, as you some of might some of you might know, I've been developing a product line for the past three years inside my cleaning business. This product line has been my new baby. It's it's something that I'm so incredibly proud of, and it is called Clarity. Clarity is an all-amazing, all-organic, zero-waste full cleaning kit that makes your home smell delicious and invites you into a beautiful ceremony to clean and rid your space of all negative energies. So if you would like to try this beautiful cleaning kit, you can head on over to clarity.com forward slash goddess. That's C-L-A-R-Y-T-I dot com forward slash goddess to check it out. Yeah, I accidentally, um, so I so actually, I eat meat and I order from this, this company called Butcher Box mm-hmm. and it's like a more humane way to do it. And it also really helps me not buy more meat than I really need because it's just yeah. like you get what you need for the month and that's what you get. And I'm like, okay, this is all I get for the month. And it's just a good way to kind of keep the, th- you know, I think overconsumption is another issue, but I, they send us these two gigantic, you know, full chickens and I'm always a little skeptical with chicken I'm not a big chicken Mm -hmm. person like but their chicken I will say is really different it's good it's not super big like you notice you're like oh these chickens are really gigantic why are they so big (laughs) you know um but I started cooking it with all these like roast vegetables and it took like two and a half hours I was like well we're not having this for dinner we're gonna have to make (laughs) something else Uh, it's cooked so it took so long but it was just funny like I didn't expect. Well, and that's the thing. It's like when I I get at least someone once a month messages me and says, I want to eat more plant-based, but I don't have time to do it. I'm like, what kind of meals do you think you have to make? Like you don't have to make like a 10 layer gluten-free tiramisu. Like you can just, you can roast up some Brussels sprouts and with miso. And like, Mm. I mean, I I think that plant-based cooking can be 
just as fast or faster than cooking meat. And you don't have to worry about, did I cook it long enough? Is this cooked all Am I going to get sick? Like, I don't know. I think that's what I love about plants too, is you just, you kind of just like take worry out of the equation. Yeah. Well, I think that's important to say because it's kind of like the yoga conversation. You know, if someone just in his example too, is like, oh, I don't do yoga because I'm not flexible enough. It's like, well, that's not the point exactly. And I think, you know, once you cross over that conversation in your mind, that's telling you, you can't, you know, just simply saying, wait, no, I can, let me just take a minute and, and write a new story and shift what I've been telling myself. It's a great opportunity. And I mostly eat a lot of plants, like very much more on a paleo side, I would say, um, just as far as trying to keep all that gluten out and, and and dairy. Oh God, like none of that works for me anymore. Just well, and especially if you have urinary issues, I mean, those are just like huge inflammatories for some people. So yeah, definitely. That's the part that like once I find what's the most difficult for me, and maybe you have the same experience once you started learning all this stuff, but sometimes I'm like, there's this little voice inside that's like, let's just cheat, you know, and wants to be sort of like pulling me back down in that downward spiral. For those out there that are listening, as well as myself included, that kind of have that little voice that like wants to pull us back into that hole. How do you, how do you work with that? Like, have you had that experience and how do you really? With like like eating certain foods? Yeah. Just, you know, like I'm going to cheat today. I'm going to do this. And knowing that it's not going to make you feel good or knowing that it's going to negate what you're trying to get to. Do you give yourself, did you give yourself permission to kind of just do what you needed at the time? When I first changed my diet, I allowed myself, let myself, whatever you want to call it, eat dairy once a week. Okay. And then this was like eight or nine years ago, but, and then I noticed on those dairy days, I didn't feel that good. So then I'm like, all right, maybe I'll just do this once a month. And then it just got to the point where I'm like, why am I doing this? And I think that you know, something I was just writing about for the food section of my endo book is just, I think a lot of us aren't really tapped into, I mean, I can't stand that phrase of like, listen to your body. Cause like some people do, we don't even know what that means to listen to our body with how food makes us feel. But I think if we can kind of like, think about it, okay, listen to my body. Okay. So I have diarrhea after I eat cheese. Like that's, that's a way to listen. Like that your body is showing you a very specific thing Yep. or I break out when I eat a lot of sugar. That's a way to listen to your body. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be this like precious, romantic, meditate, intuitive situation. Like there's very, like my armpits stink when I eat onions. They do. My body is like, I don't really like those right now. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, when I, I don't really eat the things that make me feel bad anymore. Like I said, like maybe I'll eat some ice, some vegan ice cream or something sometimes, but it's a choice. And sometimes I think that we can get to a point where we just feel like shit. So we decide to make that choice. And again, and again, and again, and like you said, we go into this dark hole, but anything that I put into my mouth, I think, will this make my body happy or sad? Mm. And if the answer is sad, at least I had the the thought of I'm making this conscious decision. Right. Like my friend Daphne Javit, she has the brand doing well. She says that when you're making choices, like almost think about doing them in slow motion. You know, it's like, because I think especially right now, we're just like, we're eating to grieve. We're eating out of anxiety. So we're not even thinking about what we're eating. We're just grabbing it. But if you can have that conscious thought, like, will this make my body feel happy or sad? I don't know. Then you're at least making the conscious decision. Yeah. I don't know about you, but the first week of the quarantine, I kind of went deep. I was like, fuck everything. I'm just going (laughs) to have that in and out burger and, you know, do the things. And then I was like, well, okay. Well, and I think that's what's so crazy (laughs) about, like, I, before I started to eat for my pain, I would just not care ever at all. But when I finally had a reason as to why I was eating a certain way, then I was able to be more connected to the food. Right. Cause like 
I went, I ate so much Burger King, McDonald's, Wendy's. And then when I was able to know like, wow, this food hurts me, then I was able to make that shift. So I think sometimes we have to think about our why it's like, yeah. do you want to be more energized? Do you want to have less bladder issues? Yeah. Like sometimes we have to identify our why, because if it's just to be skinny or fat, like that's not, oh, we're going to totally. probably always sabotage ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it always comes back to intention. I love that you also brought out the feeling like, well, I could feel this way or I could feel that way. And I'm going to make this choice based on how I want to feel. And mm -hmm. the first thing that you did point out too, is like, once you are in awareness, then it becomes a bigger thing. I feel like awareness is is like a beautiful thing. And also it's, it's hard. Cause it's like, once you're in awareness, now, you know that you've yeah. now made the choice. So it gets, it gets better and better. And then it, it gets actually a little worse before it gets better. Almost, at least for me personally, just making those choices. Cause I'm like, Oh fuck, I know that it's not going to be good for me. And then when you make that choice to do it anyways, then you really feel it work more. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, for sure. Okay. We're going to look at that and maybe choose a little differently next time. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, a really good point to make that it's all about how we want to feel, what our intention is around the foods that we put in our body. And, and ultimately we're here, like we started in the very beginning, we are here, we should be feeling pleasure and pleasurable and happy and joyful. And there is the other side of the spectrum to know that it's not always going to be that way, but also the fact that like, we don't have to be that way. I think that's a really solid point that you made. Yeah, because it's like if you see all over Instagram that this girl that you think is cool is drinking a green smoothie, like don't drink it because she's drinking it. Like drink it because you have some sort of reason why you're doing it. Yeah. And if you hate drinking green smoothies, don't. Like yeah. find another way to consume vegetables. There's a uh, Netflix series. I'm going to forget it, what the name is called, but it was it, – it goes through all these like – wellness hoax or, or like all the oh, fads. The goop lab? I don't, it's not the goop lab, but that was a really interesting one too. I was really mm -hmm. surprised that that was like on Netflix. Um, but it was, gosh, what is it called? I'll have to send it to you later. To yeah. Watch, I would love to see this. They talk about every single thing that's like trending in the health and wellness world. They go and try everything such as like the green juicing to women's yoni steaming to like all the things. And a lot of them were kind of proven wrong. Like they weren't proven. Now it's, it, it, again, it's sort of placebo, like kind of taking it into your own experience. But the, the juicing parts was really interesting because a lot of it, I used to work at a juice shop, like before mm -hmm. I decided to become an entrepreneur. And um, that was my last job I had. And I literally juiced like all the time by being in mm -hmm. there. And I did notice like an energetic difference. But I noticed a lot of people coming in there, it was like a whole thing like it was a, it was a whole thing like or I'm in LA let's mm -hmm. be honest yeah, right. everything's like image very image driven here so it was always like a, a, a it's like an Erwan experience you know which I love Erwan mm -hmm. but it's a whole thing too and you know it's like I'm going to get my juice and da, 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 you know and I didn't really know why I was doing it but now like circling back to my UTIs I started reading um the the book with, um, what's his name? Michael. He's a medical intuitive, the medical medium. Medical medium yeah. Yep. I read like half of it and I was like, okay, I get the point. And I started doing the celery juice thing in the morning when I had my chronic infections. And actually that really did make a huge difference. Like I haven't had a UTI now in the last couple months, which is pretty good because I was having them like up a couple times a month. Mm -hmm. And I also tried this new device that my friend brought. It's like called Healy and it's like this frequency healer. I don't know. I'm a little mm -hmm. skeptical on it all, but, um, I don't know, something's working. And I think that that comes back yeah. to the intention. Like, Hey, if you see a shift, maybe it's yeah. working. And with the celery juice craze, it's like, okay, well it's very hydrating. Mm -hmm. You're drinking that maybe instead of drinking something else. And I think a lot of these things where it's like, is it the plant-based foods that are healing you or is it a combination of the fact that you're taking out all the processed shit and eating more plant-based food? I think that a lot of these are like domino effects and you've got all this other stuff that people aren't even factoring into the equation. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, 
we kind of went all over the place today, but I really like, <laughs> I like the, I like the direction in which we went and, uh, just your take and perspective on women's health and your raw, like truth and honesty around your own personal journey. I think that again, that's what, like why we continue to show up to podcasts and listen to storytelling and, and being able to really relate to someone else's experience. And I guarantee there's quite a few women right now listening who are like, this is me. I'm raising my hand, you know, and it, it's kind of nice too because podcasting is sort of a solo thing. Actually, it is. You don't really listen to podcasts, I don't think, uh, in a group. Right. Group podcasting <laughs> days. Hey, you guys want to come over and listen to a podcast? No, I don't think that happens. <laughs> Maybe right now. I don't know. Um, but I, th- I just want to kind of circle back to like if a woman is having these symptoms that you have on your website or can maybe list a couple here, um, what would be the first step for them to really discover if perhaps this is what they have? Yeah, sure. So really quick symptoms, um, heavy periods, painful periods. And and I want to make it clear, you can have one of these symptoms or you can have all of them. It doesn't mean that you have to have all of them. And there are some women with endo that don't actually have painful periods. It's more rare, but there are women. So painful periods, uh, blood clotting, GI issues, bloating, diarrhea, urinary issues, um, urinary retention, urgency, frequency, painful sex is a huge one. Um, fatigue is a huge one. I had this woman, it broke my heart that she didn't know that she was, I think in her thirties or forties. And she didn't even know that fatigue was a symptom of endo. She just thought that she was tired all the time and was always trying to fix it and getting more sleep. And it's like, no, it's because your body is in a constant state of inflammation and that inflammation mode is making you more tired. Like it's, it's the symptom I think that is one of the trickiest of people with endo because it doesn't matter how much sleep you get. Like it, you still feel that fatigue. Like you stayed up all night with the baby and then ran a marathon or something. But, um, and then, so check out all the symptoms are on know, know your like leg cramping, hip pain. There's a lot of them. And if you feel like mm-hmm. you have those symptoms, Nancy's Nook, I'm not a big Facebook person, but Nancy's Nook is, I think, one of the most incredible resources to finding a doctor because finding an endo specialist is, in, is incredibly hard. There's two different types of surgeries that one is not so great and one is good. Most doctors do ablation surgery, which is not so great. And Nancy's Nook, you can learn all about that and find an actual expert and good doctor that lives in your area because that's key. I mean, the things that I've done in my life of changing my diet still to this day, I have found maybe two doctors that believe that what I did is true. Yeah, They say that food has no impact on symptoms, which is just total bullshit because if you have an inflammatory condition and you cut out inflammatory foods, the basic logic of that is that you'll have less inflammation. Yep. <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. <laughs> I almost feel like, do you, do you feel like women should just kind of like be tested for this period if they're having any symptoms? I mean, it would be amazing if I wish that every woman could just be tested. I yeah. mean, it, it's, they say it's one in 10. Some doctors think it's more like one in eight. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of insurance will cover the diagnostic test itself most insurance, pretty much 90% of insurance will not cover an excision surgery. Mine was, my last one was $20,000 and it was not covered, but it had to happen. Um, So I think that, yes, if you're having any of these symptoms, just, you should not have a period that knocks you out. Mm. You just, that's not normal. Like if you take a bunch of a leave and you are still in significant pain, that's not normal. And no one should ever tell you that it is. Like if you saw that your mom went through that, that also wasn't normal. Hmm. Interesting. I guess I get to look at mine then. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) I've had, I've had like bad cramps the first day since I can remember. Um, And I've always just kind of been like, okay, it's what I get to do. But you know, I've had, I've had countless women on here, but talk about these things, but I don't know, something that you said that just landed for me. And 
I think that um, it probably will for so many listeners too, just realizing like that we don't have to feel that way and it's worth looking into, you know, and can you just, can you just go into um, like, once you find a women's doctor, can you specifically ask to be tested for endo? Yeah. I mean, what, what will probably happen is you'll probably, they'll probably do an ultrasound for you. And through, like I said, through that ultrasound, you might be able to see cyst. And sometimes that is an indicator that this might be something that you have. Unfortunately, like I said, you can't see the actual endo itself on an MRI or a CAT scan or an ultrasound. So most likely they will probably do that for you. And then the next step would be to get the actual laparoscopic test. And what they do is, is they go through your belly button with a little camera and they look inside. Um, but, but again, I think that's why it's so important to find a good specialist and someone that is also a surgeon, because my first, my diagnostic surgery, I had an OBGYN do it. She, I, you know, I love this woman because she was the one that diagnosed me, but when she was in there, she saw so much endometriosis and saw such a big cyst that she cut me from hip to hip. She basically gave me a C-section to remove it. Wow. That's not what should have been done. Wow. She wasn't, she wasn't an endometriosis surgeon. So I think that's why it's important. Like didn't even ask what were you under and didn't even ask. Yeah. I, she went out and asked my husband and I mean, I, we didn't know anything. And so, you know, and, and a lot of, a lot of doctors are still doing, it's called a laparotomy. A lot of doctors are still doing laparotomies because that's how they were trained. But there's such more advanced treatments now that doctors are just not being trained in. So that's why I think it's really important to, I mean, it was one of the most traumatic experiences I've ever had waking up to of having basically a C-section. Yeah. I'm like, that is so violating. Like I do not fucking consent. You know, (laughs) it's important you say that though, because what, I mean, now maybe we all know you telling us that, that we can go into something like that and say, if this happens, I don't, you know, I don't consent to you just ripping it out. (laughs) Right. And, and, you know, I just had a huge 10 centimeter cyst three years ago and the doctor who I was seeing wanted to do a laparotomy for it. And I was like, absolutely not. So I had, I did some research and found a doctor that could take it out laparoscopically because I couldn't, I would not go through that experience again. It was horrible. So, yeah. So I think, you know, if, if you don't have access to a great surgeon, I think like what you said, I mean, go in and say, I would like to, to see if I have this, if you do find a large mass or something like I would like to find it. Well, you don't want to tell them, please don't do it because you don't want to diss their techniques, but you know, that you would prefer for them not to give you a laparotomy and then you have to go from there. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't want to freak people out about it because there's amazing surgeons out there, but that's, you just have to find a good one. Yeah. And you, they could also go in there. You have two or three spots of endo, you have it, but you go on with your life. It just doesn't have to be this death sentence either. Mm, There's a lot of people with endo that function awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for all of this. I'm really uh, happy. (laughs) Was it too much? No, it's never too much for me. Hopefully not for everyone here too. That's why they come back. I think they like too much. We are wild and we are too much and that's okay. (laughs) But um, all right, sisters. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I have a couple more final questions for you before we say our final farewells today. Um, Where can everybody find you? You kind of mentioned a few links here, but for those who are interested in really diving into your work or being supported by your community. Yeah. So I have a podcast called One Part Podcast. You can get that on, you know, Spotify, iTunes, wherever. knowyourendo.com is all the endo information. My cookbook is one part plant. And then you can go to jessicamarnan.com, but just put a little bit of like blinders on because that site needs to be way redesigned. (laughs) (laughs) That's how mine was for a while. I just am in the process of redoing mine. And I'm like, oh yeah. But the the crazy thing is about it is that 
when I look at my analytics, no one's even going, everyone's just looking at things on their phone. So it's like you spend all this money to develop this beautiful website on a desktop and no one's even looking at it that way. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) I've almost thought like, I've actually had a couple of conversations with people who've been like, I'm not going to have a website because people are just like, Instagram's almost the website now. You can make those yeah, little but front it, things. But it, like, I get that, but Instagram owns Instagram. Yeah, it's not like your they, own thing. You, they and don't, you can't like yeah. collect emails and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Which is how you really want to get into our, our conversations, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, love. Well, last and final question for you. What does it mean to you to be a goddess? Well, I think today I feel like a goddess because I'm sitting in my bathrobe getting to talk. It's a really pretty one, by the way. It's not like a gross, fuzzy white one, but, um, not that they're gross and fuzzy and white, but you know what I mean? (laughs) And I get to talk about endometriosis on a podcast. Like that feels pretty amazing that you're giving me the space to do that. And like you said, I hope that someone is listening to this and they have a friend or maybe themselves are like, Oh my gosh, I have those symptoms. Maybe I can do something about this. So I feel like a goddess when I can help other goddesses. Yeah. How to that? And I love that you, I love that she's like, oh, we're doing video. I'm showing up in my robe. I'm like, damn, I should have just showed up how I really wanted to because I did not really want to put on this lipstick this morning. But again, that's why I really appreciate your rawness and truth and honesty. And I'm sure everyone does here too. So thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode. I love you. I see you. I hear you. And I will see y'all next week. Bye for now. 